We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's 808. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO, your good neighbor station. It's still talking, and I don't sound like Geraldine Steele because I'm not Geraldine Steele. I'm Shaletta Brundage. You can catch me on Saturdays from 11 to 2 on the Shaletta Show, sponsored by Auto Brimmer Trust. But I'm here tonight filling in for my friend, and I don't know if y'all saw Almanac on Friday night on TPT. Um, it was a wonderful one-hour show, uh, Kathy Werzer and Eric Escala, and um, I was there, and Nakima Levy-Armstrong was there, and Cedric Frazier was there, and we were looking back on the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, just like we have all been doing this past week, just reflecting, thinking about where we were a year ago, how our lives have changed, how our communities have changed, how our perspectives have changed. And when Carrie and Brendan, uh, the producers of the show, asked me to do a monologue, um, they asked me what I wanted to talk about. They wanted me to give an update on the talk, which I did last year right after George Floyd died and introduced many Minnesotans for the first time to how African-Americans have to have a conversation with their children about police interactions. And I said, no, I want to do something different. I want to talk about friendship and the importance of having a black friend, not a black co-worker or a black church member or a black neighbor. I'm talking about a black friend, someone you know and love, someone whose children you babysat, somebody's house you've been to more than one time. And why is it important for us to end racism? Why is a black friend the most important thing better than a book or a workshop? It's because if you have a black friend, then their lives matter. Their children's lives matter. You want the best for them and you want the best for people who look like them. And I shared a message that my friend Susie Pajowski sent me right after she saw the video of George Floyd about... Um, how we had talked for 15 years about police interactions and the fear that I had for my boys and my husband and the anxiety that I felt. And she just thanked me for opening her eyes. And she was so grateful that we were truly friends. And I shared that on Almanac. And I challenged people. I said, you know, after... The murder of George Floyd, my friend Sue messaged me. I asked everybody who was watching, who did you message? And so anytime 
um, I see anything, whether it's a television show or a movie or a book about friends who look different from different communities. I am always intrigued and supportive of that effort because, you know, we're, we're looking at friends, right? They got the reboot, the, um, you know, the, the, they're doing the, the show and with, with the old cast and they're in New York, but somehow they ain't got no black friends. Somehow they don't have any Hispanic friends, no Latino friends, no Asian friends. Just white folks. How's that possible? In a city as diverse as New York. And, and so I think it's just we've got to do things differently. We have to do things better. We have to show people from different communities coming together because that's how life is. That's how life works. I think about my relationship with Chad Hartman in this new Billy Crystal movie that's out with Tiffany Haddish. And it just reminds me so much of us. And that's not a strange thing. Black folks and white folks are friends. And if you don't have a black friend and you are a white person, uh, this is your challenge to get one. Really ending racism is as simple as having a black friend. So when I got a copy of Sweet Burden of Crossing by Katie Toll, I was like, yes, this is my kind of read because it's about Chris and Ricky and the, you know, college kids, but they're, you know, they're from two different communities, two different um, ethnicities, but they, they share so much. We, we are so much more alike than we are different. And so I'm so glad that Kate is on the uh, Shift Real Estate Hotline with me on Still Talking. Hey, Kate. Hey, Shaletta. I am so happy to be with you tonight. Girl, I am just, girl, I'm over here clapping like anybody can hear me. Um, Jonathan, do we have some clapping music? Because I'm over here clapping like we're on the stage somewhere and people can see me clapping or hear me clapping. But I'm just so glad this book is refreshing. It's um, traumatic. It is uh, a love story. It is about friendship. It's about those moments, those everyday moments that we can all relate to. Tell us about Sweet Burden of Crossing. Oh, thank you. Well, it's it's based on my true life, but yes, it 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 is about an interracial friendship from the white woman's perspective and shows how she has her own racialized trauma she has to work through mm-hmm. in this relationship and and so, um, you know how fiction is. It's that it's 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 actually a kind of technology. It it hacks our nervous system and gets us straight to the heart, right? And it yeah. allows us to experience someone else's life. And so, um, I've realized that a lot of my white friends don't enjoy the um, relationships with black and brown friends that I've enjoyed and. Um, the other piece to this, Shaletta, is that I was taught how to how to create a friendship um, with a black person from my father, and so I write about that in the book. How... Now, talk to me about your dad because he he was an amazing man. Oh my gosh! And out of all the characters in the book, he's the most true to form, mm-hmm. and um, he really did know the Republican congressman who cobbled together the bipartisan commission to impeach Nixon. He really didn't know him. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, see, that part I thought was made up. Okay, if I had to yeah. guess what was made up, that was number yeah. one on the list. Okay, so that part is true. Okay, great. And you just blew my mind. Involved, he was also involved in creating Social Security as we know it. He was involved in bringing Social Security cards to men who were incarcerated. And he really believed that um, in the innocence of these young men and that if we spent time with them and got to know them, uh, that, that we would understand what, what happened to them. And, and so he, he, uh, he put his life on the line for racial justice and, um, and he didn't know then what we know from, you know, from brilliant minds like Resma Menicum. He didn't have that playbook then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we are so blessed. Um, and Resma had, has, has a quote that, that I shared with you, um, that white activists can deliberately reclaim whiteness. They can call it out as the slate of hand and the swindle it's always been, and they can publicly redefine it as something caring, open, and grown up. And so, you know, we've got, we've got dominant narratives about white people just like we do about black people, and both are false, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the dominant narratives, whites are portrayed as the you know, the white savior, or else they're given a pass because they have a romantic partner, right? Or they're harmful and clueless and incompetent and, and often brutal, right? Mm-hmm. And so where are the narratives that show us as whites capable of growing in our awareness and building relationships and committed to ra- racial equity, uh, even if we trip all over ourselves, we need examples. We need models. And the beauty of fiction is that someone can read the book and step into Chris's body and watch, you know, feel her viscerally as she mm-hmm. makes the mistakes she does and grows in her awareness and just keeps going. Okay, we got to take a quick commercial break. I want you to stick around for another segment because when we come back, we got to talk about why this book, your book, we're talking to uh, Kate Toll, why her book, Sweet Burden of Crossing, is so needed right now, especially in our community. It's still talking. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's 822. You're listening to Steel Talking on News Talk 830 Radio, your good neighbor station. Um, since George Floyd died, people have been asking me, my neighbors, my kids, therapists, um, teachers, friends, what can I do? How can I help? I feel like I need to do something. Is there something I can read? Is there a class I can take? Is there a workshop I can sign up for? Where can I donate money? And I said, you know, if if you really want to help, the first thing you can do, the best thing you can do is get yourself a black friend. Why? Why, why does that matter? I, I mean, I have, no, you got black coworkers. You got black folk go to your church that you know. You got, um, you know, some, some black neighbors that you wave to. Um, you haven't been up in their house. You don't know who their um, extended family members are. Y'all haven't spent time together. That's got to end. That's got to stop. And, and so I was so excited um, to hear about Kate Toll's book, Sweet Burden of Crossing. Um, excellent reviews on Amazon. Um, lots of people are picking it up. They're talking about it because it is about two girls, one white, one black, college students in the 80s who form a deep bond through their shared experiences, the loves and the losses. And Kate, before the break, we talked about why it was so important that a work, um, your work, this book, um, is out now for people to pick up for their book clubs and uh, read with their friends and, and bounce ideas off of one another and talk about some of the experiences and challenges that these two friends face uh, in, in this work. Yes. And and we're on a threshold, Shaletta. We know we are, right? We're on a threshold. Yeah. And, and, and as whites, we have to do our own work. We're on our own path to liberation, but we have to understand that part of that is living in our white sobriety, right? We... <laughs> We, we have to recover from patterns of white supremacy, and we have to allow our black friends their space and to let us know when they're ready, and then to join them when we know we can do a minimum of harm, right? And so um, let me just say, and I shared this in an author's note in the book, there's a 2020 report by the Kapoor Center for Social Impact on Workforce Barriers. And it said that 75% of whites don't have any non-white friends in their social network. And that's the truth, right? And in a public religion research institute report from 2016, only 5% of whites have friends of color, real friends of color. And and you are so right, that's got to change. But we, we can't tokenize our friends. Uh, our BIPOC friends, right, our, our black and brown friends. We can't just pull them in because 
of that, we, we have to do our work. We have to understand on a deep level what our friends are experiencing. And, and so, um, I wrote this book, uh, in a large part because I was taught that skill from my father. And, you know, let's look at a math class. You know, you've got people that do the addition, subtraction really well, people that do multiplication, division, people who really get down with fractions or throw it down with algebra. And then you've got people who are calculus, right? They mm-hmm. <laughs> trigonometry, people that can build houses. And what we have to understand is that people are at different developmental levels with their understanding of race. They are. And so if if you're still struggling with multiplication division, how are you going to get to the next step? Mm-hmm. You have to be with somebody who has skilled up in that work. And so whites have to spend time with each other just working through these issues. But I wanted to write this book because uh, it, 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 uh, it allowed me to put down on paper some of the real struggles that I have faced with my black friends and some of the questions that we've had and some of the things we've talked about. And, um, and you know, the, the, the current scenario as we, as we mourn the death of George Floyd, but also celebrate the fact that the Twin Cities are the birthplace of revolution, right? So how do we get on this path to liberation separately and then together? Because, we have to do our own work, and then when it's time to come together, we can have a beautiful sense of humanity, but that happens when we do our work. So we're in this season of not knowing. We're on this threshold, and my title, you know, is basically saying, look, there's a heart lesson with everything. There's a threshold we have to cross, but there's also a gift, and if you want the miracles to pop, you got to take the leap of faith. And we're talking to Kate Toll, Sweet Burden of Crossing. Her book is out. And, you know, before um, I got on the air, I went to look at some of the reviews to see what folks had to say. And one that just touched my heart was from Julie Landsman. Uh, she is an author and a teacher. And she says, Kate Toll has written a book about struggle, race, and ultimately about hope. This novel models what can be done with story, how we can communicate with each other across borders and differences by telling a tale. And she talks about how you weave these two women's lives, these one white, one black, into, you know, an an important lesson about, um, you know, racial justice. And, you know, I, I just this book is just so timely. I just want to buy it up and make everybody get in one damn big Oprah book club <laughs> and we just all read it together because there's so much healing that needs to be done in our community and I just think your book uh Sweet Burden of Crossing is a great start. Well, let's let's do it, Shaletta. Let's do it. We uh, need I'm to serious. we we really need to do this work and and um, we need to approach it from a spirit of discovery. And I'm I'm uh, I'm so honored to be on your show and and to talk about this. Uh, I could go on and on and on because 
there's a lot going on in this book. <laughs> it is. But, you know, there's a lot going on in this world. And, you yeah. know, it used to be that books and TV shows could only tackle one topic. But life is not like that. Life is complicated. And there's layers. And there's a lot going on. And, you know, we've got the pandemic. And then we had George Floyd. And then the economy. And then the trial. And then the verdict. And then Dante Wright. And, you know, and we still got to go to work. And our kids got to eat. And we got to try to stay married. And we still got to do the laundry. And somebody's got to do these damn dishes that's just life and so when I look at a book with a lot of twists and turns and, and a lot of layers I just think that it 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 you know it does us as readers a disservice to think that we can't handle all those layers that we can't see you know the weaving of the story and the storylines and, and follow along because it is just it's, it's just like for me it's it, you know it was like a puzzle and wow. I, I was just so grateful at the end to be able to put all those puzzle pieces together. Uh, Kate Toll, author of Sweet Burden of Crossing, uh, it's available on Amazon.com. Thank you so much for being on Still Talking with me tonight. It's just been a great conversation. It has been, and it's a conversation that I hope to continue with you and many more people, both in our community and across the country and across the world. This is this is a very important topic right now, like you said, and um, I want to provide a place to talk about race, a brave space to talk about race, and, and um, you know, continue this work, continue to discover this work together, because we're going to make mistakes, um, we're going to tug at the heart, but there's always going to be a gift from that work. It is, and it's going to be a lot of Kleenex because we're going to cry and snot all over everything, girl. But in the end, <laughs> you know, we're all going to be better for it. Our community's going to be better. Our children are going to be better. Um, this this book will make your life better. Thank you so much for being on the show, and it is 831. You guys stick yeah. around. There's more to come on Still Talking. It's 837. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO, your good neighbor station. I don't know how Jonathan expects me to do any work because I'm too busy dancing with all this kick butt bumper music he's playing. My goodness, I, I better sit down before my knees start hurting. Thank you, Jonathan. You know how to give me that extra shot in the arm I need. Yes, starting the week off um, with a smile. And I'm so excited um, later on for Center Stage. I'll be laughing with my friend, Shannon Paul. She's got a new comedy show at NoHo. And it's coming up on June 10th. And you want to get your tickets. You want to get there because it is time for us to start laughing again. I tell you, honey, I can't wait. But one thing that is not funny that I have never laughed about is the fact that it took my son, Andrew, who is 14 years old, to get all the way to seventh grade before he had a black teacher and that was his homeroom teacher miss wilcox over at cottage grove middle school this boy has been in school since he was three years old and he was 13 before he had his first black teacher my son has yet to have an african-american man as a black teacher in fact there is an African-American male initiative in South Washington County at the school. And so when we moved out to Cottage Grove, uh, I made sure to sign my son up, right? Because I know how important it is that um, he sees 
African-American men who look like him. He got a daddy. He's got a granddad. He's got uncles. He's got men in his church. Yeah, but any opportunity that I can have to engage my son uh, with um, a black man, a professional black man who is doing things in education and, and caring about children, I'm all for it, right? So I sign my son up for the African-American male initiative, and we go to the first meeting, and guess what? It's not there. Any black man. Uh, there is an Asian teacher who is there um, and he is getting everybody signed up. And I'm like, OK, well, surely at the end of this meeting, the black teacher, he must be late um, because he's not here. And no black male teacher ever showed up for the African-American male initiative. So I talked to the Asian teacher who was there and he said, I'm it. There are no black um, men in this program. And I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me in the African-American male initiative program. Ain't no black man. And he started explaining to me the shortage of African-American male teachers in our school systems, not just in South Washington County, but across the state of Minnesota and across the country. And so I told my husband, I was like, look, uh, when they have these meetings, you're going to have to get off work. Because you're going to have to go and fill in. Because these young black boys um, are coming to this program to engage with, learn from, and get some love from an African-American man. And they, they don't have one available. So my husband had to stand in the gap. And sadly, that's the case in a lot of schools. That, that My situation is not unique. And so I, I have to bring Marcus Flynn into the conversation. He is currently a science teacher at Purdue Academy in Minneapolis. And, you know, he's held positions in research and project management at Iowa State University. And he is joining Black Men Teach to follow his passion for creating educational opportunities for future black male teachers. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I can't thank you enough for being here. No, Shalom, thank you for having me. And uh, the story that you introduced um, with is, it's, it's almost unfathomable. You can have a black male space in the school and can't find one black male. You have to rely on a parent to come in and provide that. And, you know, I say it's unfathomable, but it's honestly the numbers will tell you that that's not that uncommon, right? We know actually less than 2% of teachers are black men. Well, but, but Marcus, what happened? You got to tell me what happened because when I was coming up, Marcus, um, and and I ain't that old. I'm 49. I don't mind saying it. Um, you know, my 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 principal was a black man, um, and my teachers were black men and women, and that was a case until I probably got to eighth grade that I had a majority of African American men in leadership positions in education at the school that I attended. And so my confidence was different. I see my son struggling a lot of times in areas that I never struggled in. The curriculum was different. They understood how to communicate with me. And there was a certain level of respect, understanding, care, and competence when it comes to educating children of color. Well, what happened? What, what, where did a black man go? You know, honestly, I think you have to look back at that experience, right? And so I think part of it, I'm not sure if you grew up in Minnesota, but a lot of it is a cyclical nature. Like your son, he's going through it. You said you, you had confidence that you don't see in him. And so he's going through this school experience, and he's never seen himself represented. He's in seventh mm -hmm. grade, 
going into AIDS, hasn't seen a black male teacher. It's really hard for him to imagine himself doing that as a profession if he's never seen anyone look like him do it. And so that lack of representation really reproduces itself over time. Wow, that's deep. And I never thought of it that way. So he doesn't even see himself being a teacher because he's never seen a black man teach. So that that to him, and I never even thought about that, Marcus, that to him says this is not something that black men do. Oh, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a variety of factors, too. I think another piece is at an early age, so I teach fifth grade science. And my mm-hmm. kids at this right now will, will will on the computer and Zoom, they'll say, Mr. Flynn, you're broke because you're a teacher. And part of it is, like, they're not insulting me. It's more so, like, our relationship and that dynamic and them just joking around. But the piece that's not a joke is they've already internalized that teaching is not a lucrative profession at an early age. And at the same time, my young boys have internalized that this idea, the societal expectation that men are supposed to be providers. And so those things are in direct conflict. This profession is not lucrative that I don't see myself in. And then the expectation that I'm going to be a provider, which effectively equates to making a lot of money. And so there's that piece as well that really keeps black men from going into this position. And so there's a lot of like unlearning that it takes, a lot of understanding too about how people really can make money within education and understanding of like really the why behind black men's decision to teach, all of this has to be unlearned and then retaught in order to get men to consider going into these positions. Wow. You messed my head up. I had to sit up and cross my legs. I got my <laughs> head in my hand because, you know, my my son will probably, you know, up until this point, he had never seen himself as an educator. And then what does that say to the other kids who are black when they don't see a black teacher? You know, the impact, you know, we understand on, you know, African-American students. But what does that say to white students when you never have somebody to teach you who's black? Does that say that black people are not smart enough to teach? Uh, Are we not educators? You, You know, it's just, you know, it's the cycle. It's, you know, this is this whole situation is bothering me. Uh, Marcus, but but you have a solution. You are coming up with something, and I appreciate that because Black Men Teach TC dot org is available. The website is up, and, and you guys are doing some amazing things. Tell me about it. So what we're looking to do is basically create this robust pipeline that supports recruitment, development, retention of male teachers. So that pipeline will span across high school, college, and career. So we're looking really to support some men really longitudinally, 10-plus years, to, in the high school level, kind of help them uncover this interest in teaching. And we don't want to influence people. We don't want to say, you should become a teacher because of this. But we really want them to understand, why do black men teach? So I'll tell you right now, I didn't become a teacher because of the ABC 1, 2, 3. I didn't become a teacher because I really want these standardized test scores to be high. It's this idea of mentorship, development, and also really having generational impact specifically and particularly on black students. Because like you said before, you kind of mentioned that we see the impact. We know, and the data is really compelling, about what happens when you have a black teacher in a classroom with black students. But also, too, it's not just black students. When black men teach, 
they start to undermine some of that unconscious bias and other students who aren't black around what it means to be a black man, right? And so at the high school level, we do some of that work. Mm-hmm. Provide them scholarship opportunities in college. We focus on, okay, let's build community. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to see our organization having like this fraternal bond. Where I need my men to feel so like connected to the organization and not because like we're providing them necessarily, but because it's a space for them to come together with other men who do the same thing and understand that in Minnesota, there are very few black men in the classroom, which means in college there's very few black men in education programs. So even if you're in this classroom by yourself, understand you have this greater community that exists that you're a part of and you have a strong tie to. So we work on that. We really provide Wait a minute. Support. Hold on. Hold on. Because I want to talk about I want to talk about how important this support is, how important this group is to not just recruiting, but retaining African-American male teachers. We're talking to Marcus Flynn. We're going to take a quick break. But while we're doing that, I want you all to go to black men teach TC dot org and check out the website. We'll talk more with Marcus when we come back. We have been talking to Marcus Flynn here on Still Talking on News Talk 830 WCCO Radio about Black Men Teach TC dot org. It is a support opportunity to get more African-American men in the classroom teaching our students on all great levels. Marcus is currently a science teacher at Perdio Academy in Minneapolis. You know, we, we talk about support. And, you know, when you don't look around and see anybody who looks like you, who shares your experiences, you feel like you have no support. And then you go and find a place where you can get support. And there are people who look like you and have your shared same experiences. But BlackManTeachTC.org offers that. And it's really a part of retaining the black men that we do have in the classroom in Minnesota, right? Yeah. So retention is a huge focus of what we do. And so if you look at it, black teachers have one of the highest attrition rates out of all teacher groups. And a big part of that is this unwelcome in school culture sometimes when you are black and when you're one of few. And so when we partner with the school, one of the things that we work on specifically is making sure that they have a commitment to doing the work that's going to take to make a culture and, and climate that's really conducive to retaining black men. Um, and it's hard work and it takes time, but we need a commitment and we need some demonstration of that. And, also, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Another thing, too, because I, I never want to overlook the fiscal component. So, like, the building culture is important as well. But I know mm-hmm. we had a video come out relatively recently. It was on CARE 11. Um, and we made it in conjunction with General Mills. And one of the things that we do is, for men in our partner schools, we provide a retention, I mean, not, I'm sorry, a uh, loan forgiveness money. And so mm. part of what we want to do is we want to alleviate that burden of debt on these men to have one less reason for them to leave the classroom. Wow. And that is so important. Um, the finances are definitely a part of that. And that is an amazing incentive. Marcus Flynn, um, thank you so much for the work you are doing to diversify um, our classroom educators. If there's anything that I can do, give you an opportunity and a space to speak and recruit and talk and send people to this website. Um, WCCO radio is here for you. So please, please, please use us as a resource. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. 
and all of the public website. Um, definitely will be in contact in the future. All right. Good luck, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. All right, and you all stick around because Center Stage is coming up, and I just have to tell you, I am so excited about my friend, Miss Shannon Paul, joining me the first interview out of the gate. She is here, and um, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a time to laugh. You know, it's just been so stressful. Uh, there's been a lot of crying. There's been a lot of March and my feet hurt. My knees hurt. My back hurt. Um, we've been stressed and under so much pressure with everything that has happened in the past year, year, almost year and a half since COVID came on the scene. And now that the restrictions are being eased, venues are being opened, concerts are being performed. Miss Shannon is bringing her talents, her comedic talents back to the stage. Where is the show going to be? How can you get there? Are there tickets available? We'll let you know coming up next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.